0: Thank you, Jesus. God is so good. Thank you, Dre, for indulging me and throwing Josh in the mix this morning. Uh, And thank you, Joshua B. Wood, for me in the mix. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad that the blood is still just as powerful today as it was back then? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know about you, but I still remember where I came from. And I'm so glad that God's grace is sufficient. And I'm so glad to remember because I know that without Him, I would not be able to continue walking in His favor and in His love and in His grace. Amen? And without Him, I would be a failure. Without Him, I would not be able to live a life for Him. And isn't that amazing? That we serve a God who loves us so much that gives us a manner of living, because it says, I'm not going to make you do this by yourself. I'm going to give you the power and authority to live this life. Isn't that an awesome God? Amen? That's the grace of God. Amen. Amen. As you might be aware, we are... uh, we have been on a journey the last couple of weeks doing a series uh, on Blessed, Broken, and Given. And uh, I hope that it has been a blessing to you. It has been a, a joy to me in my study, a growing in this. I want us to be in prayer for Wayne Simmons. How many of you know Wayne or knew Wayne Simmons? He passed away and uh, just. Yesterday I think. And so we remember in this family, Pastor uh, Wayne Simmons, pastor uh Sended Church in this town for many, many years. I knew him well when I lived here before. Um, and so just keep that family in mind as you pray and, and let uh, let them you know, if you have on let them know how much you love and appreciate them and care for them. Amen. I don't know about you, but I got some junk. In my house. None of you guys are collectors of junk. I mean, you know, there are actually people who collect junk. Right? I mean, don't raise your hand because I'm sure your wife doesn't want you to be implemented right now. Uh, my my father in law, he doesn't throw away anything. And in his mindset, he's got multiple barns out behind his house. And if I ask him for something, he's, I think I have that in this barn. (laughs) And he can go to that barn and find that piece that I'm looking for. It's amazing. He's he's a collector, if you will. But but some of us have been collectors not because we wanted to. You know what I'm saying? How many of y'all's garage looks that way? You've been collecting some stuff. (laughs) It happens, right? Uh, We moved into a a new home back in July, and in one room of our home, it's about a 20 by 20, it's a big room, and it has shelves all the way around it. And every shelf was full. They cleaned out the whole house, but the junk room. And you know, I'm going through these things, and I'm thinking, wow. Probably useful to somebody, you know. I mean, there's these big old heavy uh, rotary blades that go on a big leg, right? And there's actually cases of blades to be cut to put into the rotor for that thinking That's useful for somebody if you got the machine. And on and on, I could go and pick up a part off of the shelf, it could be a part to a Jeep, it could be a part to a Bronco, it could be a part to a Mustang, because I know he had all of those. But I have no clue, Sammy, what those parts go to. And matter of fact, I have no clue what the name of most of those are. Not a mechanic. But that's kind of what happens in our life. We, We tend to have things in our closet that we've maintained for a while, thinking that at one day, at one time, it will be useful. And yet, the longer it sits there, the more rust it collects to the point that the day that we really need it, we look at it and say, it's broken. Right? It's broken. Which can't use it anymore. It's unusable. It's not able to be fixed anymore and then then we usually keep it around another couple of months thinking well i'll go see so-and-so to see if they can fix it my son was telling me that uh he was needing a bicycle because he's got like 15 minute away classes from his dorm i said son there's a bicycle in the garage he said daddy do you know how many times i tried to ride that thing that thing's been that thing's been around a long time he says, the gears are rusted up, the brakes don't work, the tires need new tires. I said, just never mind. Never mind. So we have to go through this process of the purge, right? Amen. How many of you have ever had to go through that process? You know what's crazy is, it's usually we don't do it until we move. just Right? I mean, we keep all this stuff around. Our garages get packed and jammed full, and we don't do anything about it until uh, until we decide to move or then we get a new vehicle or something and say, well, I would like to put that in the garage, because they can wear. And so finally, we get to the motivation to do something, but that's usually what happens to broken things. We purge them. We get rid of them. We get them out of our lives because they're no longer useful. And this is about seeing our lives as bread that Jesus takes in his hands, bless, breaks, and gives for the life of the world. Last week we talked about how difficult it is to imagine our common and our ordinary life being blessed by God, actually being blessed and sacred and holy for, before God. And yet, that is what happens to our story when we surrender to Jesus. We become restored, we become re, uh, rewritten, if you will, for God. How I many know He's the author and the finisher of our faith? Amen? Amen. To be blessed is to have our identity recovered and restored. It is to become who we are made to be. How many understand that you are created to be carriers of the glory of God? Amen? You are, to be, you are to carry the glory of God in this world. You are to be light to the world. The world is looking for someone to see, to show them the way. And God's created you for that. And so, If our lives are broken, we need to be restored or restored so that we can once again carry that identity from God. This week, I want us to look at the word broken. The word broken. And when I think about broken, we can think about broken in multiple different ways. First of all, we can look at brokenness as maybe uh, our limitations or our inability to accomplish something. And, And when I look at that inability or limitation, It's not necessarily, that's not the type of brokenness that I'm talking about because normally that deals with giftedness and it deals with interdependence because how many know that you're not created to do everything? Every one of us have different giftings and different talents and our limited doesn't necessarily mean that we're broken. It means that we're God created to be a part of community and a part of family and a part of something greater than us so that we can work together to accomplish that. But then there's another form of brokenness. And that, and, and that brokenness is, refers to our failure, our, our inability, our, our shortcomings. When we miss the mark, when, we, uh, when we've been given a, a, a plan, a, a requirement, and yet we can't live up to that requirement. Whether it be a situation, whether it be a relationship, but because of our brokenness, we are unable to live up to the requirement that God has stated or has been laid out before us. Come on. How many have been there? Amen. And and, in that place is when we come face to face with our brokenness. Finally, brokenness is also a way of speaking about the fallen world. How many have experienced the fallen world and and have felt the brokenness of the fallen world? Amen. Uh, More recently, we've seen a broken world and broken systems and all that good stuff. Well, when sickness or death occurs, when tragedies happen, we hear the creation groan. We hear the creation creaking and cracking. We hear the... Uh, the seeming, it seems like it's coming out of the seams, if you will. And, and, and all these signs of a broken world, we experience all of them. These are the, the last two of the kinds of brokenness that I want us to focus in on this morning, the failure and fallen world. And what and, and that's what I want us to kind of focus in on. What can Jesus do without brokenness? What can Jesus do with our brokenness? I mean, think about it. Like bread. We talked about bread two weeks ago. Like bread in the hands of Jesus when He breaks it. Does does that bread lose its freshness? Does that bread become stale? Does that bread become useless? Or does does Jesus receiving our brokenness come to something different? Does Does it have a greater usefulness in the hands of Jesus? If you're with me in Luke chapter 22, 19, if you'll notice Luke 16, uh, um, we talked about Luke 16, 9 16 earlier about Jesus taking the bread, breaking it, blessing it, and continuing to give it to the the disciples so that they could feed the multitudes. But here's another passage. This is the second time that Jesus mentions the words blessed, broken, and given in the book of Luke and Luke 22 19 says, and he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Wow! So, once again, this is the second time in Luke's gospel that he has stated these words. Jesus taking bread into his hands, blessing it, breaking it, and giving it. Now, most of you understand the, the context in which Jesus was sharing the Scripture. This is the time of Passover, of the feast which commemorates God's rescue of Israel um, from Egypt and God's judgment of evil. In short, the Passover is when God dealt with sin and evil and, and, and God delivered His people, providing a covering of blood over their sins. That makes this message truly perfect this morning. Uh, for us to talk about what Jesus has done and does for our brokenness. So when I think about that, uh, first of all, the, the, the brokenness of our failure, I'm thinking about Israel in this day of atonement. God provided a sacrifice specifically for removal of guilt. Now, when you look at Israel, there's all the other avenues. How many know there's no other way? Jesus is the only way, truth, and life. And to think about this, according to Leviticus chapter 16, looking at the Day of Atonement, the priests would go in and and they would make a sacrifice for themselves to cleanse themselves, to purify themselves, and then they would take two goats in, and and, and this was, this is so unique because I think it's really symbolic of how Jesus does for us. But first of all, they would sacrifice the goat for the penalty of the sins of Israel, but but then there was a second goat that they would. the priest would actually lay his hands on and he would put the guilt and the shame of the sin on that goat and would lead it to the wilderness and let it go. Isn't that amazing what Jesus does for us? Because not only does he take away the penalty of sin, but he takes away the guilt of sin. Too many times we understand we recognize, man, I've done this and how can God love me because this is the way I've lived. This is what's happening in my life. And how many people walk around with the guilt of sin on their life? Walking around feeling like they're unworthy. Walking around feeling like, how can God use me? And yet, the Lord Himself has made a way not only for the penalty of your sin, but also to take away the guilt of your sin. Come on, somebody. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So the goat took the punishment, and this is a picture of God allowing these people to be spared from judgment, be spared from the guilt. Thank you, God, for taking away not only the sin and the penalty of sin, but taking away the guilt and the shame that we also bear as a part of that. In the brokenness of our own sin, we can find a blessing uh, that removes guilt. All the stuff. About goats and all the stuff about priests and temples and sacrifices. We just are just foreshadowing of what is to come. There is one priest. Come on. There's one priest who has who was always the sacrifice. And in fact, it was also the temple. He was the
1: uh,
0: he was so great that he summed up himself and the three main components of this of, of Israel's religion. And that he in so doing he brought about the fulfillment and the culmination of the closure. In His own name, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the great high priest. Jesus is the sacrifice. Jesus is the temple in which they sacrifice. Jesus is is the all in all. There's nothing that we can give that Jesus hasn't already got so that He can make the sacrifice for us. He just says, bring yourself and accept my gift. Come on, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So the writer of Hebrews uh, even elaborates on this, was so excited about the way these symbols and elements of Israel's worship came into the fulfillment of Jesus that he would he could hardly contain himself. Think about this in Hebrews chapter 9, 13 and 14. It says, For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? How much more? If things were offered for this, how much more does the sacrifice of Jesus Christ cleanse us and wash away all of our sins so that we can serve a living God, so that we can lift up holy hands before God without wrath or without a song that we sing often now, and it really comes from Numbers chapter 6, 24-24. It's a blessing, a prayer. The high priest of Israel would say, oh, the people of Israel, the Lord bless you and keep you. Come on. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Powerful, right? Because of Jesus, every word of that blessing, Because of the love of Christ Jesus, every word of that blessing is now true for all who belong to Him. It is no longer a petition, it's a proclamation. Somebody needs to hear that. It's no longer a petition God bless. No, it is a proclamation of those who are in Christ Jesus. The Lord will bless you. Come on. The Lord keeps you. The Lord makes His face shine on you. The Lord is gracious to you. The Lord turns His face to you. The Lord gives you peace. Those who are in Christ Jesus experience this passion and this word firsthand. Amen. Amen. Jesus takes the brokenness of our sin and gives each one of us peace. But what about the brokenness of the world? What about how the world actions and how they, how they work? What about that? What, how does Jesus deal with the brokenness of the world? If, what if our lives have been broken because of the brokenness of the world? How many have ever been hurt by the world before? Amen. How many ever been hurt by a broken person? How many has been the broken person? Amen. Yeah, I mean, we recognize that broken people do broken things, and we live in a broken world, so why should we expect the, the world to be holy and righteous? Why are we appalled at what the world does? Because guess what? They're broken. That's why we that's why we proclaim here that everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. From the sinner to the saint, everyone is in need of the love of Jesus Christ to make it every, day, every single day. So what does Jesus do the brokenness? And I think that's The next brokenness that we're looking at, the brokenness of the fallen world. And we can look at that in John chapter 11, 17 through 37, it's the story of Lazarus. And in the story of Lazarus, here the word has gotten back to Jesus that Lazarus has died. And so, Jesus tells His disciples, He says, Lazarus has fallen asleep. Well, in their mind, when Jesus said they fall asleep, guess what they say? He must be snoring somewhere. And so they say, well, if he's falling asleep, then we can go and we can redeem him or we can restore him. We can get him up. We can smack him around and say, get up,
1: Lazarus.
0: That's the BBV version, right? And so Jesus has to look at them and say, look, boys, I'm not saying he's asleep. He's dead. I'm like, okay. And Jesus says, it's good that I'm not fair, so that you may believe. That's verse I think, 21 got out there so that you will believe. Now, Thomas, I don't think he gets it all, right? Thomas is a little bit slow. I mean, y'all know that, right? Because it says that Thomas was doubting all this time, right? And so Thomas was like, well, I guess we'll just go die with him. He, he don't know what he's talking about. But yet, when they get close, Martha comes out and says, Lord, if you were here, he would not have died. Does that resonate with some people? If you were here, Lord, my brother would not have died. That's John 11, 21. It's it's the question that arises every time that pain is disconnected from justice. Every time there's a moment when something happens and we're wondering, why would that happen? How could that happen, right? It's when suffering is a result, not because someone's guilty, but because of broken words. It's when somebody is in an accident and a drunk driver hits them and the poor saint in the other car gets killed. And we're wondering, God, why did that happen? If you were here, that would not have happened. Come on. Couldn't couldn't you have prevented this, Lord? Couldn't you have stopped this from taking place? Sounds like a question we often hear, right? Sounds like the world... Struggling with answers. Struggling to find their way. Struggling to understand why they're walking in brokenness and why the world is broken. If we serve such an awesome, mighty, loving God, why, God, would you allow these things to happen? When a person suffers needlessly, when pain seems to to be random or, or worse, unjust. The appeal to God for mercy. The appeal, the appeal for a, a merciful and just God. We say, God, why are you allowing the wicked to prevail? Why? Oh God, are the righteous seeming to suffer. Don't we hear that? Don't we see that even in the Word of God? Through Throughout history we see those words written. And, 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 and looking at this, I believe that even in the next... Passage, even in this scripture right here, in verse thirty-six, because those who were standing there looking at Jesus said, "This is the man he loved," right? John eleven thirty-six. Jesus loved this man, and, and then verse thirty-seven says, "He healed the blind man. Why did he let him die?" If he could heal the blind man, if he could cause the blinded eyes to be opened, why could he not have stopped the death of Lazarus? Wow! It's not as if Lazarus was the enemy of God. It wasn't as if Lazarus was some wicked person. It wasn't as if Lazarus had done something wrong. Right? This must have caused Mary and Martha to wonder God. Don't you love us? Where's justice in this? If we love and know Jesus Christ, we've seen His miracles, what does that do for us? Why could it not have stopped this? Isn't that questions we have? Isn't that where we face the trials? Isn't that the conflict we have in our mind often? Why? 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 We often hope from God that he can bring prevention. Right? God, you can prevent this. In the face of all the brokenness of the world, every one of us have this mindset that we want to be spared. God, keep us from this. God, keep us from that. We hear this over tone of people saying, we'll be alright. It'll be okay. Okay. God's got us. Look, that is not a lie. God does have us. But He may not prevent things from happening in the process because guess what? People choose. Even though they're in society, societies choose what they want in their processes and we have to live with the consequences of the processes. Amen? And so even in the midst of this, They're saying, God, won't you spare us? God, won't you keep us? We we don't want to be bent or bruised by a broken world that's groaning in the sight of this. We don't want to feel the pain. We don't want to feel the hurt. We don't want to feel all this brokenness. Even Jesus taught them. He says, uh, He taught them to pray that they might be spared from the great day of trouble and trial and the the testing. (coughs) Yet, Yet for, this, for reasons beyond my understanding, for reasons beyond our grasp, God doesn't choose to major in prevention. God opts for something even more powerful. God chooses to do something even greater. Greater than prevention is redemption. I mean, think about this. Even the scripture of John chapter 11, and it's actually verse 14, Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. What did he say? It is good that I am not there so that you can believe. Mm. Come on, Jesus. He might be stinking by now. Come on, Jesus. You mean you, he had to die? What? Look, I mean, when you think of Lazarus' story, we often look at Lazarus as one who was resurrected. And I'm not to say that he's not resurrected because resurrection is someone who's come back from the dead. But in reality, uh, he was come back from the dead to die again. He was resuscitated, right? It wasn't that he wasn't dead. Yes, he was dead, but he was resuscitated back to the old body because it wasn't the same resurrection that Jesus would face when there's a new glorified body, a new incorruptible body, a new body that was for eternity. Right. Amen? Mm. Now, don't get me wrong. Lazarus was super happy. Right? <laughs> Lazarus, as he hopped out of that grave, I'm sure he was thankful to be revived by the Lord, right? Uh, I, I don't know if y'all understand. Revive is is to relive. The word vive, vive in Spanish is the word to live, right? So he was relived. He's reliving. He's revived. He was dead, but he's alive. But he was alive a corruptible body. He, There is a time looking for it. It was an experience that helps us look to a resurrected Christ to know that, that His experience helps us recognize that a broken world has the hope and the glory of being truly resuscitated, but not just resuscitated, but resurrected to new life, to new hope, with a new mind, a new body, a new glory that will be prevailing in Jesus' name. Amen. Resurrection doesn't just tiptoe around death, on, Resurrection breaks death's power completely. Resurrection says no more death. They're alive forever and ever and ever. Resurrection is the reversal and the undoing of death. That's the power of redemption. Jesus, as resurrection, is stronger than death. So is redemption more powerful than prevention? I need to hear that again, right? Gee, just as resurrection is stronger than death, so redemption is more powerful than prevention. We're too busy saying, God, keep me from that. when all alone saying, God, redeem us in the midst of it all. Yes. Let the glory of God shine through in the midst of every chaos, in the midst of every problem, in the midst of every abuse, in the midst of every situation, in the midst of all the problems of the world. But I'm praying for redemption. Christ. Amen. 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 You know, it's one thing to to be an artist and paint a beautiful mural on the wall and, 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 and spend hours of time making such a majestic piece of work and then putting all these little cones around it and putting these glass things so that nobody can touch it and all they can do is just look at it. That's prevention. I'm protecting what I made. This is a whole other process to say, I painted this with a Yes. Come and touch. I'm not worried about your scribbles on my paint project because I know that I can even make your scribbles into something more beautiful in the end. I can incorporate all of those scribbles and I can make them even more beautiful in the process. It's kind of like a chess player. A chess player... It's a brilliant thing to be able to block the moves of someone else. But how much more brilliant is it to be able to allow a person to make any move they want to and still say, I will right? prevail. God's not afraid of our moves. God's not afraid of our our junk. He's not afraid of the processes that we might find ourselves in. He's not worried about that. He's not saying you shall not harm me. No, he's saying this is the power that I have. Do your worst and I still will prevail. Isn't that a great place to be? Amen. Amen. On the cross, Jesus absorbed the full weight of evil, the judgment of God against the world. Jesus became The offering of sin that leads to death. He became the curse that affects the world. He drained the venom of the serpent of the enemy. He died the death that once for all took care of the wages of sin. Think about that. That's what Jesus did for us. But I'm so glad that there's a third day. Come on. There's a third day. And on the third day, the Father raised him up from the dead. Now because of his resurrection, one day death will be swallowed up in victory. Only God can do that. Only God can take our brokenness. Only God can take the busted of broken things and bring, it, bring blessedness from it. Only God can make blessedness come through brokenness. Jesus takes the brokenness of the world and gives each one of us hope. Aren't you glad we have hope? Look, I know where, I started this off by saying I know where I came from. I know the person that I was. I know the hurt that I caused. I know the pain that I inflicted on my family because of the Locally, choices that I made. I know that I'm not denying my failure, my brokenness, but I'm knowing this: that God can restore our lives. He can take what we have messed up and recreated it into being image bearers. Image bearers. The sin and suffering God did not prevent are not too far or too far gone for him to be able to redeem. Amen. Amen. What God blessed, he will redeem. He has the power to make his blessings come to pass over and against the infection of evil. God, the Creator, blesses. God, the Redeemer, carries the blessing to its completion even though brokenness that comes. God's redemption makes even the broken become blessed. God did this. Think about this. God did this by becoming the broken. Jesus, think about this. Jesus. The blessed God became the broken human so that broken humans might become the blessed of God. To be broken is to be open. You know, I love coconut water. We buy coconut milk. We use coconut oil. But everything we eat is like coconut But I, I remember living in Honduras and they bringing me a coconut and I'm shaking ooh, that sounds good. That's got a lot of good in that baby. I some of that. But you know what you got to do to get that out? You got to break it. Now, I'm not good with shake. But some of little boys come up, 10-year-old, 8-year-old. You know that bastard? broken is to say I'm open for the grace of God. It is to say I'm willing to allow God's grace to work in me. Sometimes we say stay so shut up because we're afraid that somebody else might see our brokenness. We're like what's that movie where he had Wilson Castaway. we got this ball up here. We're saying, this is our buddy. We'll tell, we'll tell our buddy everything. we got to fix stuff. And that's our private friend. We don't want anybody else to know. Right? We're going crazy inside because we're struggling and yet we don't want anyone to be a part of our stuff. But brokenness becomes openness. That allows the grace of God to enter How many of the grace of God could be a good friend that says, hey man, I'm here to help you? Amen? How many of the grace of God could be a, a program called Celebrate Recovery that I just happen to be a part of that allows me the opportunity to grow and to learn and to, to find somebody else that has the same junk I got and they're still and they're trusting God to help them through it? you have to recognize that we're broken. And that we're being redeemed. We're in a process of redemption. And as long as we're walking in this, there's some brokenness that might slip up every once in a while. It's not my nature, But guess what? I'm still in it. I'm in the world, but not of the world. And because I'm in the world, I'm affected by the world. And so I need to recognize that I'm broken or I'm living in a broken world and the broken world is affecting me at times and I need to present that to the Lord and say, God, I need your hands to be on me. I need you to touch me. I need you to open me up. I need the grace of God to help me in the midst of all of this, God. Now, there's a process. There's a process in Japan where they take pottery that's been broken. And and I I don't speak Japanese, so I can't say the word. But they use a resin that looks like gold, that when pottery is broken, they'll take that resin and they'll fix and repair the broken pottery. And, 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 And it's so beautiful that it has become more expensive to find pottery that's used this golden resin than it is to buy a regular piece of property. So much so that some people have intentionally broken some pottery to fix it. You know? But that is what grace is. Grace is the gold that puts our pottery back together. This morning, I don't know where you find yourself broken. I don't know where you find yourself struggling. I don't know where the hurt is. I don't know if it's a relationship issue. I don't know if it's just the chaos of the world that has affected you or you're feeling oppressed or overwhelmed or depressed because of all that's going on. I just want to encourage you, don't let your brokenness cause you to isolate, but give your brokenness to Jesus because in the hands of Jesus, your, your brokenness becomes blessed. And in your hands of Jesus, your brokenness, in the end, can be more valuable than it was before, amen? I will tell you that because of my brokenness, I have helped a whole lot of people,
1: right?
0: Because of my brokenness, because of my past, because of the struggles that I went through, I can now come up beside somebody and say, I know what you're talking about. I know where you're been. I know what you're struggling with. I know the identity crisis that you're having because you've been abused in your past. I know what that's like. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus can rewrite your story. The grace of God can transform you. He can take that brokenness but He can transform you and make you into something beautiful. May your brokenness be. I don't know how you feel about coming to the altar, but I want you to know the altar is available for you this morning. If you'd say, Pastor, I've been carrying around a lot of brokenness, and I need the Lord's help to get me through. I'm needing some gold resin, if you will, the grace of God, to mend my pot. And I need to be made whole today. I need to be made well today. Close your eyes. Father, God, if there is someone in this room that's carrying a burden so heavy, they feel like they're about to fall underneath that pressure. Lord, your word says that this is the will of God, that we bear one another's burdens, fulfilling your law. Father, if there's someone this morning that's feeling overwhelmed and burdened down, I pray that today they'll be released from that burden. God, that they'll be made whole, that they'll be redeemed in the midst of all of the weight they're carrying. God, I pray that You help. If there's a mentality of "Get me out of here, get me out of this situation," I pray, God, that You help us to find a new hope, to recognize that no matter what we're in, even though God, You could prevent, there's a reason why we're in, and I pray that You redeem us in the midst of this trial. your head still bowed, and eye closed. This morning, if there's someone saying, Pastor, I feel broken. I need healing this morning. Would you just raise your hand right now? I feel broken. I need healing right now. Yes. 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 This morning, I want you to know there's hope for if you raise your hand, would you do a to come forward right now? Can we pray with you? Can we join with you to help you right now? It's not a moment of, of shame. is the moment to say, not trusting God. that Jesus Father, God, I'm so thankful for me for the wisdom for the willingness to say okay, back Lord, I need you Calvary. I don't have the answers no, the God, I don't know but God has given me strength that I pray for you from we day to day God, I agree. Lord, will be the hopelessness the grace of God to transform our own, to transform your life, to see more clearly the plan in your purpose. In Jesus' name? have your way to you? God has got something special for you. Amen? I pray that as we eliminate this series next week, we're going to talk about giving. Blessed, broken, giving. we praying about that. Ask God to give direction in your life. I'm believing that healing is coming in your home. Amen? I'm believing that completeness is coming in your home. And I'm excited that you're here to be part of this in the history of our Memorial, because I believe revival is flowing. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. I appreciate you. If you have anything that I can help you with, please let me know. The, the bulletin has multiple activities that are going on, and we, we really would like you to get a part of those. If you if you need me, my number is in that. Um, if if. If I'm in a meeting and don't answer, text. I'll do my best to get back with you as soon as I can. But I want you to know that we are available for you. And we're here for you. We love you. We appreciate you. That's me. Are we here? We're here. We're here. Uh, we're here. We appreciate you guys. God bless you. Uh, tomorrow is CR. It's over cover tomorrow night. We'd love you to come. We have a worship time. We have a message time. We have a small group time. Love you to be part of that. If, if you would like to come just to experience the worship and message, feel free. Uh love you to invite a friend, someone. Uh, if you like to stay for the small group, it's a great time to just uh, be encouraged by others and to allow yourself to experience that. We have children's ministry going on we have, as well. We have young young, uh, young people uh, as well. So come, be part. How many like to eat? Three yes. good. Guess what? There's free food. I just said the word F-R-E-E free. At 6 o'clock starts food time. 7 o'clock worship vessels. 8 o'clock smart food. Come be a part. God bless you. We love you. appreciate you. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: I perhaps... yeah. yeah. have it's It's a message from the text team about the Zoomed-in one, and I sent you the sermon call. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's nice. you actually I think he's been doing that, and I forgot to tell him. So if you ever need the title, you can usually remote into one of these PCs, and it's in my church. With the script. Send, it to me. send it. Start to send it to me every Saturday. My Gmail. If you go to Chrome and open Gmail, my first Gmail. All logs in. I think I'm both for years. I know it doesn't look. What you saying? That's well, I was wondering if maybe you could, with wise bring it in a little bit so they're not them, And then uncrop the edges. I don't know if that's working on it. <laughs> when well, I first started out this morning, what you could do, <laughs> I've done that before, they don't like that. What, <laughs> what you could do is delete it and pull it back in to the regular size, and then instead of cropping just the side of the bottom, prop it to the Because so that'll keep your aspect ratio and no one will do it. 145, know there should I know i it's frustrating, but i hope you have a good day Oh, okay, cool. I don't know what's going on, but one time. Oh really? Right. I gotta get the projector down. You wanna go get the part that's there I gotta get the screen down in here, the car that has the projector on it's in the pastor's office or in the office to the left on the left chop which <laughs> I did it right on the iPad we have. I had Steph bring it home for me Thursday or Friday. Um, so I wouldn't have to come up here. I had to bring it home. We recorded it. I didn't do anything fancy for this one because it's just a recording. What I I put the kids in the shop. Kept asking where, I put the church background over at and asked them where they wanted to go, and so we went to China, and Paris, and Britain, and one other place. And then I stepped in the camera and, like a the screen screen, and I explained what it was, and some of the things we could use it for. All, it's in the video, it's called, it's just called My Movie, if you want to go watch it. Um, the other thing is, I didn't like is our shadows were on the back screen. But that's, it comes with the photographer style to kill the shadows. We just didn't set them up because it was just, I wasn't going to set them up. I just wanted to, I didn't even do the green screen as wide as it can. So it's zoomed in a little far. It looks weird. My head's cut off a little bit. but. Like I said, I wasn't going to set this whole thing up. I just sure. <laughs> wanted to show her a quick sample. Something like well, that. What could you do? We've got a green screen because the whole thing, like the black part, that's great. Um, And it's supposed to have a black curtain in too. The black curtain (laughs) is that on the back. we could pull black probably and do that too. As long as it's a solid color. So if somebody wanted to wear a green, we could switch to black background. We could probably order a blue. (laughs) Oh yeah. Without my computer. Okay, so I'm go I don't talk to you again, have a good week. Uh, we all need it hard.